In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Well, hello, friends, and welcome into In the Lab. I'm Drew Doherty, waving at you like a, I don't know, he's just waving. It's John Harris. I'm just waving. Yeah. yeah. It's good to see you, man. How are you, how you been? I'm doing okay. How are you, Pops? You getting some sleep? I am, I am. John, of course, is referencing a week ago Friday, my lovely wife, Vita, had a baby, Lucy Lorraine. She's a sweet, healthy baby girl. She's got lots of hair, like a game show host. It's dark. <laughs> Very pretty. And she's doing great. Vita's doing great. So we've got five children now at home. And I don't know, the bags under my eyes aren't too too heavy, are they? I put you, you nah, you're good. makeup at, at the start of this. So No, nah, you're good. The fact that you got all the way to five, though, it might kill you in the next 10 years. But, you know, I mean, I, I got my hands full with two. So, I mean, if I were if I were y'all, I would have stopped after the twins. Boy, girl, pff, done. So, yeah. But yeah. love you, though, man. It's awesome. That's awesome news. I was so happy for you guys. Um, you know, it's it once they get older and they kind of, you know, I know you're living through some of the fun stuff now, but once they get older, it's going to be really cool. And you have, you know, dinner and you've got all these different adults at the table with all these different, uh, you know, thoughts and ideas and all that kind of stuff. It's it's going to be really, really cool as, you, as they grow up and uh, grow old together. It's going to be really cool. We got all sorts of different thoughts and ideas at the dinner table right now. So <laughs> uh, anyways, that's another, that's another story. We'll do that some other time, but yeah, uh, the last month or so you and I have, because of all the uncertainty within the organization, um, lots going on yeah. negative that we know about, obviously, you know, and we can't talk about it. You and I, so to kind of reroute, we talked about and did a vintage in the lab all time, all 32 draft. It was a lot of fun. It's the most fun I've, yep. I've ever had on this podcast. And uh, we each had one player per NFL franchise all time that we could choose. And we went back and forth and did that. And we had some awesome teams. And since then, since it's finished here and there on Twitter, you'll see stuff about NFL legends. And just last night there was a tweet and it was, these are the top 10 football players in NFL history. And I was like, Oh, who do they have? <laughs> um, number one was Jerry Rice, who you've got. Yeah. And then I had three, four, and five, which I think was LT or Jim Brown, LT, and somebody else. Um, and then I had one more guy. So I had like four. You had three. Peyton Manning was in mm-hmm. there. That's your quarterback. And yep. uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Oh, Mean Joe Green was one of one of mine. That was awesome. oh yeah. So yeah, it yeah. was. It's fun seeing this, and it's it's fun to to chit chat about it and debate about it. But we're going to talk about the current situation because there have been a boatload of signings, trades, transactions here with your Houston Texans. And today I'm going to get one player from offense, one player from defense that's got you really excited, who's been added to the mix and got you really excited about the future here for the Texans. Let's start on offense, Johnny. All right, you go first. Okay. Well, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of interested in Chris Conley, the wide receiver that comes to the Texans from the Jaguars. Now, you look at the stat sheet and you see 40 receptions and that's kind of a good barometer and that's kind of a good median line for me, I think. I, I wasn't expecting Megatron. I wasn't expecting right. Andre Johnson. But this is a guy who's contributed. We've seen him contribute against the Texans in the past and he's very, very fast. And he, like every other transaction on the roster, aside from the kicker position, it's all been about 
competition. I mean, there are going to be a lot of these guys that have been signed that, you know, they won't make it past uh, September 1st, but the, the, the competition level has been bounced up. And I'm pretty excited about Conley. Heard him talking about his excitement in coming to the team. He mentioned specifically the coaching staff that's been assembled uh, under head coach David Culley. And, you know, I've had a chance to meet a few of him or a few of them out here in the hall over the last week or so. And these guys are excited. These guys have, they've known a lot of football. They've forgotten more football than I could ever hope. And, you know, I just, for example, I saw the offensive line coach camping a moment ago and he's settling into Houston. He's excited about things. They were on a, things, but he was on a, a break from a, a staff meeting a moment ago. But Conley's got me excited just because I know a little bit about him after seeing him twice a year over the last few years. And this guy's got some speed and he, I think he adds to a mix with Brandon Cooks there at the front and Kiki QT and Chad Hansen. It's going to be fun to see what becomes of this roster because it's a real big blob right now that's going to get refined at the end of training camp. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> I was not surprised or should not have been surprised that Conley was signed because you have Cobb, Cooks, QT, Coulter. Got to stick with those C's. Conley. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to stick with it. I, I was pretty excited to see that. And that happened just Monday, I think. And it was like, okay, is, is it going to stop? And, and not that it's a bad thing. But I think offensively for me, it was the trade that, that Nick made with the, tra- the Patriots to get Marcus Cannon. Yeah. We talked about this at this time last year. We were talking about this offensive line, and we were really excited about it. Man, this is the first time we've had five starters coming back, all in the same position. This is going to be great. 2020 was not great on the offensive line. Didn't run it well. Didn't, it just felt disjointed. I thought the interior guys were, were not excellent in any way, shape, or form. And I thought Titus played well at times. I thought Laramie did very well. I mean, look, Laramie is the, the gold standard, I think, at left tackle. And I thought he did very well. I still think that the run blocking across the board was not great. Um, it didn't feel like there were guys that were wanting to, to finish blocks, no matter whether it was zone or power or whatever they were running. It just didn't come together well. So then Snail Calamete released. You have Nick Martin released. Zach Fulton released. You bring in Justin Britt, now who hasn't played since 2019. But then you also bring in Marcus Cannon. Now, Marcus Cannon hasn't played since 2019 either because he opted out due to COVID and for good reason. He's a cancer survivor. This guy's a Texan through and through. I mean, he loves, he lives on, or he has a ranch, does all the work by hand. I mean, He's a massive guy at 6'5", 6'6", 335. The only question to me is what position does he play? The flip side of that is I don't really care because I want these five guys that step in up front to be able to mash. We got to run the football. Let's run the football. And I think the, the other one that people will get excited about just because they know his name is Philip Lindsay. Uh-huh. But, I, but I think what Philip brings – even though he's 5'8", 5'9", a buck 90. He's nasty. Not a, not a, he's a, he runs like a Mack truck. So yeah. you put his talents with Mark Ingram and David Johnson, you start to feel like, okay, yeah, I kind of like the way that goes together. Crazily enough, I still think a young running back to try and grow, you know, like the – I don't know if second round – obviously you don't have a second rounder, but I don't know if third round – or maybe the fourth round. I, I love this crop of running backs. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think they've got a lot. There's a lot of versatility amongst this group. 
And so I think you can find a good running back, a good young running back to learn from these veterans that maybe by week 13, week 14, kind of like J.K. Dobbins did with the Ravens last year, is ready to step up and, and be the guy or at least contribute, you know, six to eight carries a game. I think you can find that in this rookie class. I think it's imperative to find a young ball carrier in this rookie class. But most importantly, you got to have the offensive line that's going to mash. And when you add Marcus Cannon in that mix with Titus, with Laramie, now with Justin Britt, presumably Max Sharping, maybe a draft pick, maybe a rookie, I still think, again, same, to that same point, we could look at it and say, hey, look, I think the offensive line's set. Or you could go get some more competition. That's kind of been the theme. Go find competition at all positions. You find it in a draft, great. And so I think an interior offensive lineman is going to be drafted. And there are a few that I really like, and I've kind of kept my eyes on interior offensive linemen because I felt like that's a need for us, no matter how many offensive linemen we, we resign. But to me, getting Marcus Cannon kind of makes this offensive line, oh boy, man, you're going to have to bring your lunch pail against them. And I felt like last year that wasn't the case, especially in the run game. They're just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't there. It didn't click. Mm-hmm. But maybe with this group, a little bit more at center with Marcus at guard or tackle, however they're going to put that together, maybe sharpening at left guard again uh, after a tough year last year, they should be able to run the football a little bit better than they've run in the past. And I think these running backs will benefit from that too. So I would say Marcus Cannon, that trade I thought was huge and it was totally completely unexpected. You see coming to America too? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, okay. Listen, we all know it's not the first one. Okay. That's yeah. the goldest of gold standards. It's like, I think yes. it's, I think it's the greatest comedy of all time. I still like coming to America too. Okay. I did too. I did too. Yeah, absolutely. So just yeah. Everybody calm down, shoot it out of the sky, shoot it out, whatever. All right. It's not the bad. It's a sequel. We know that. Just chill. Right. It's still fun. Uh, but King is a. Why are you bringing that up? Oh, okay. There's okay. You're going somewhere with this. All so right. the, he's Eddie Murphy's now the King is a Munda. Yeah. Desmond King. Ah. I just wanted to talk about coming to America too. Because I, 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 it really is. Kind I got of, you. It's gnawed at me seeing all the negative press about coming to America too. Like, yeah. oh, made it. it was fun. All right. It was just fun. It was fun. It was very fun. I think it could be fun with Desmond King. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to what he can do. I know at the trade deadline, there were a lot of folks that wanted him to come here. Not a lot, but maybe there, there were some that said, oh, that would have been nice to see him here. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what he does here defensive back wise for the Texans, because that was a spot that, sorely needed attention this off season. It's been, you know, it's been tough the last few years around here uh, with regards to, you know, the, the defensive backfield, there've been some struggles here. And I think he's a guy that can instantly help make it better. A, just by virtue of the competition level that he brings, but B, yeah. I think he's going to be a contributor. And I think he's, he's going to do some good things to help this defense and maybe give the pass rush a little bit more time and vice versa. So I'm excited about that. You know, he was with the Chargers, so there's some familiarity coaching staff-wise there, some guys that have been there recently that know about him now. And then he was with the Titans, so you see their game film all the time, uh, and you, you get, get a little bit of a sense of that. So I'm excited about that. What'd you, did you like that move? I mean, that was kind of a yeah. – we had seen sort of a wave of moves, and I think that was a little bit of a surprise to some, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was a little bit. I thought that he would have gotten a, a bigger, better deal. You know, Mark and I had talked about this um, probably about a week or two out. And I was looking at the PFF projections. PFF projected, you know, contracts for the top 100 free agents. Right. And the, the guy, they had a contract from Mike Hilton 
that was listed as three years, $12 million. And I was like, man, if you can get Mike Hilton for three years and $12 million, you need to like run to him, take the private jet, whatever you got to get him. He's the kind of player you got to have. He's the smallest guy in the field, but yet he's the most impactful nickel in the league right next to a guy like Desmond King. But then Mike Hilton signed for four years and $24 million. I'm like, well, that's a little <laughs> rich, probably a little bit more than I wanted to pay him. But then I find out that Desmond King signed for a little bit under what the APY would have been that PFF suggested for Mike Hilton. I'm like, you're going to get me Desmond King at less than that money? Uh, rock on. Let's go. I'll take it all day because he's a playmaker. He plays an interesting position because not a safety, not a corner. He's a nickel. And even though we have, as an organization, made a stance, which I like, that, you know what? We're going to list Malik Collins as just a defensive lineman. And this guy is just a linebacker. And this guy is just a DB. When you get into it a little bit more, there's a difference between corner and nickel. And last year, unfortunately, because of the injuries outside, it forced Vernon to have to go outside. And really, Vernon should have been playing inside. That was his best option. Well, now you have Vern Hargraves back. You have Desmond King in the mix. You also have John Reed. Those guys are going to compete for that nickel spot. And I think that's going to be a, a really good thing to have guys compete for that particular spot such that they can find somebody that can cover some of the more difficult guys to cover inside, that can blitz off the edge, you know, like a Logan Ryan did with the Tennessee Titans and do some of those things uh, with the New England Patriots too, Logan Ryan. But those, that's the kind of player you want to have, kind of a, a – of versatile, and I know people, I, I've thought about this word a lot because people have, they hear that word versatile and Bill O'Brien used to use it and, you know, guys at 610, radio hosts on it, oh, versatile, oh my God, versatile. Here's the problem with versatility in some sense and some of the players that were asked about in the past. Guys are versatile because they could go to a different position and play. Being versatile means you're good at those different positions that you play. There's a difference in just, well, he's versatile. He can go play tackle or guard. Well, he can just step into those. There's that's great. being able and there's being able to play proficiently. And that's the right. one you want. You don't want just Absolutely. being able. There's doing your job and then there's doing your job well. And <laughs> right. if you're versatile, if you're versatile, truly versatile, then you can play those roles well. And that's not something that guys that were quote-unquote versatile in the past were able to do. There are two guys that I really – I got excited about the defensive side. Number one is Malik Collins. I just think interior defensive players that can get up the field, build like a brick house with his athleticism, you just don't find that every day. And you got him for a one-year deal. It's a prove-it deal. So he's going to be every, you know, every single week looking to prove what he's got. And I think he's perfect for this particular defense. And at that point, it also puts pressure on some other players to, you know, hey, uh, you had an opportunity last year. What did you show? You know, a guy like P.J. Hall coming back to the team. I think P.J. showed a lot. Ross yeah. Blacklock, what did Ross show? You know, there's a lot of – there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Ross to show that he can make that year one to year two leap, that he was worth the 40th pick overall in that 2020 draft. He can be a game wrecker uh, on the inside. Malik Collins' presence – sort of gives you a little bit of a safety net if they don't do it. If P.J. doesn't play at the level he was last year, if Ross Blacklock doesn't take that step, Malik Collins, I think, is sort of the filter for that. And, oh, by the way, if they're all playing at a high level, all the better. All the better. 
So he's one. The other is Kevin Pierre-Louis, linebacker from Washington Redskins, excuse me, Washington football team last year. Played a lot of snaps. I think he is a consummate 4-3 linebacker that can do a lot of things. He goes sideline to sideline. He can fly. I used to love him at Boston College. Love him at Boston College. So I think he comes in. If he's the tackle machine that I've seen before on tape, that I remember from Boston College, and that guy steps next to Zach Cunningham and whoever else is going to start, whether it's Christian Kurtzy or whomever, how they're going to play this, KPL gives them a lot of different options defensively. And look, I've thought about this a lot. In your division, six games, you now – and I, I know the quarterbacks, I get it. But you got to shut down James Robinson in Jacksonville, some guy named Derrick Henry in Tennessee, and a Colts running game that features four very capable running backs led by Jonathan Taylor. You better have guys that can tackle, and you better have guys that can get off blocks up front and create issues. Last year, we did not have those guys in this defense. We did not have them anywhere in this defense. So the front gets bolstered with Vincent Taylor and Malik Collins. I think there's a draft pick that's also going to be added to that mix. You bring back P.J. Hall, who I thought had a good year before he was injured. But then you add to the linebacker crew. And I, there are a lot of, a lot of people that talk about Terrell Adams. And, and look, T.A., I felt like had, for what was expected, he played above expectation. But I don't want that to be the standard. The standard has to be well above not even expectation, but well above the standard, well above the average. And watching the linebackers last year, they didn't play at that level. Now, some of that was because they had guys at their feet that weren't there in previous years. You missed BMAC all year long. Uh, but Zach Cunningham, KPL, uh, Camille Grugier-Hill, Joe Thomas, those guys have got to take their game up to a different level, but they'll at least have some help with the additions they made in the defensive line too. And next week on In The Lab, we're going to talk about perhaps the help that's coming just solely from the coaching staff and solely from teaching and what that might benefit uh, the, or how that might benefit these guys and this team on both sides of the ball. Sound good to you? Sounds good to me. All right. This is fun. It's good to talk football with you. Can't wait to do it again next week. John, always good to see you. And uh, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We appreciate all of you checking us out here on In the Lab. Take care.